Welcome back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. As always, I am Isaac. And I'm Will. And today we have a bit of a different episode. We are welcoming on Nathaniel Thomas, the voice of college football for Spread Talk. And we're going to talk about the college football playoff, Little Brother University of Cincinnati, and all of the crazy outcomes that could happen after this past week of college football madness. So Nathaniel, introduce yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Nathaniel. Uh, far from a college football expert, but I'm going to try to <laughs> give my perspective here. Yeah, a little background. We're all from Central Ohio, so we all have our bias for the Buckeyes. But you guys know that from listening to our show at least a little bit. But Nathaniel and I go way back, and he offers the most sound arguments for college football that I have ever heard. So let's start with the past weekend of college football and how that really shook things up. So mm-hmm. um, what do you want to start with? A lot of things happened. We could start with Alabama losing to Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah, the let's first, start that. yeah. The first ever Nick Saban disciple to beat Nick Saban in right. a football game. Right. So let's talk about that. Um, so obviously Alabama lost in a close one on a, on a game winning field goal. Um, some, some key takeaways from that, uh, the Alabama defense is not what they have been in the past. This is the first season since 2007 under Nick Saban. They are allowing more than 20 points per game. Um, so really? that's that's uh, crucial in, in understanding how how we ended up here. Um, however, so that that shakes up the college football playoff picture a little bit. Alabama, I'm sure you remember preseason. There were some media pundits saying, well, might as well hand Alabama the trophy already. Ohio State looks bad. Oregon looks bad. Clemson looks bad. It's Bama's year. Well, now we're midway through October and Bama's got a loss. So we're facing 2007 levels of chaos (laughs) here. And uh, I think it's good to note that uh, Texas A&M is not good. Um, They were ranked, I think, top 10 in the preseason poll. And then uh, lost uh, lost two games, so they're they're not good, but they're a bad team. Yeah. So let's uh, let's chat about. It. Do you think Alabama still makes playoffs this year? Me personally, I think yes, and here's why. I think Alabama wins out for the rest of their schedule. Their win over Florida, their very narrow win over Florida now does not look nearly as impressive given that Florida is now the 20th ranked program in the country, not seventh or whatever they were when they beat Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Alabama, I imagine will win out the rest of their schedule and we'll get to the SEC championship against undefeated Georgia. We can talk about that team here in a second, but when Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, we're going to be staring down the barrel of two SEC teams in the playoff once again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only reasonable outcome where Alabama isn't in the playoff is if they lose a second game, whether it's regular season or in the SEC championship, even if it's a close one to Georgia, because the committee set the precedent that two lost teams are not viable in the playoff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you, what do you think? Will you have some thoughts here? Yeah, so I mean, I I will admit I'm I haven't been keeping up with college football very well this year, but <laughs> but I mean, it's always hard to you know turn down the SEC champ for the for the playoff, you know. Right. Uh, the SEC, you know, widely regarded as the top conference in college football. So so whoever wins that, I mean, I would think they should get a spot. I think the, I think the playoff system is a little broken. That's a topic for another time, but I think it should be at least eight teams with uh, the conference winner of all Power Five conferences automatic bids. But you know, that's just my thoughts. But I yeah, think I think if they later, like later in this episode, because I'd like to talk about the playoff structure. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm on that, Kuipers, uh playoff four four teams in a Power Five. Uh, Conference league doesn't really doesn't make uh, sense. it's built for controversy, but mm-hmm. um, I do I do think there's a, a scenario. I I think you're right. If Alabama 
wins the SEC championship, there's really no way that they don't make it. However, I don't think we're headed for a two SEC team playoff this year. Nope. I, I would agree with that. I mean, Plain. Alabama's got to get past uh, Kentucky, too. Kentucky might be a little wow. this year. <laughs> wow. The basketball school is diversifying. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I haven't had the privilege of watching Kentucky play. Um, I, however, typically view SEC teams through – uh, I think SEC teams are more overrated more often than any other conference. So when I see Florida at seven or Kentucky at 11, I take that with a grain of salt um, because there's there's some bias in uh, college football reporting as evidenced so. by ESPN um, towards the SEC because it's good for their good bottom for their, line. It's good for their TV market deal. Right. Um, Very. <laughs> So I, I don't know if Kentucky's a real contender or a pretender yet. I haven't watched them play, but we'll see if uh, they pose a challenge to Alabama. However, I think the reason we're not looking at a two SEC team field this year is for two reasons, the wrinkle of Cincinnati and a strong Big Ten. I don't think this is a year with as strong as the Big Ten is that you could put two SEC teams in and leave a one-loss uh, Big Ten runner-up out. That's an interesting perspective wow. because um, imagine Georgia remains undefeated. Um, they have to beat Kentucky to be undefeated this week. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> I, I think they will, and I think they will roll over the University of Kentucky football Wildcats, but um, assume that okay. happens. Nothing's a given. They all got scholarship to play the game of football. Um, they all loved it at one point in their lives. So, you know, who's to say any given Saturday, but assume Georgia and Alabama is the SEC championship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia goes in undefeated, having planted the flag as the number one team in the country for, at that point, seven straight, not seven, five straight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a loss to the five seed, given that that five seed just beat the number one seed and is also Alabama with their pedigree of talent at all positions. I don't think that would knock Georgia out of the top four. I think it would put Georgia at four. Mm -hmm. And I think it would put Alabama at one. Um, I think they would play each other in the first round of the playoff and then um, go from there. But let's talk about the big 10 because the big 10 field is it's something this year. That's it's, what I'm saying. But that's you, what I'm saying. the the Big Ten East is crazy this year. the The Big Ten has five out of the top ten teams. So by the time we get to the Big Ten Championship Week, Ohio State's going to have played a top ten Penn State, most likely a top ten Michigan State, and then most likely a number two Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. So if you have, well, they also play Michigan and a top twenty-five Michigan. Right now they're top ten. Yeah. So before before we get too deep into Big Ten, I just want to I just want to say, uh, you know, play devil's advocate here a little bit. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, we won't leave play, the championship uh, talk yet. Um, what kind of chaos ensues if Kentucky beats Georgia today? Oh wow. Okay. Well, let's let's play that. How next, far do you move Kentucky up? How low do you move Georgia? Where does okay, Alabama go? Do they stay? Do they move? Let's play the hypothetical. So Kentucky 11, Georgia 1. Is the game in Kentucky or is it in Georgia? Um, I'm not sure. Not that it really makes that much of a difference. It's I in think. Georgia. Okay. Well, um, that makes a considerable difference. I take my statement back. But if Kentucky beats Georgia on the road, I think Georgia remains a top 10 team. I think they get like the Ohio state losing the Oregon treatment where they get bumped yeah. to anywhere between eight and 10. Um, I don't even Kentucky. know if they dropped that low though. I think, I think a loss to 11 Kentucky is better than a loss to Texas A&M. So if they drop further than Alabama dropped, then, then you have to answer to someone, you know? Like, right. Yeah. You got to consider the Alabama bias too. Because it's clear about half the AP poll voters don't watch the games. So they just rank Alabama in the top five 
no matter if Alabama looks like football magic or looks like football garbage. Um, so I don't think Georgia's going to get the same benefit of the doubt that Alabama got, but I do agree. A loss to Kentucky is yeah. better than a loss to Andy. Exactly, because why play the At game? least on paper. Yeah, mm-hmm. why play the game if Georgia's not going to, you know, have the op- possibility of losing to Kentucky, and if they do, um, you got to go off the precedent. You already set with Alabama losing to an unranked team, which they did. And mm-hmm. I'm still shocked that they only dropped to five for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have expected anywhere from 10 to 14. Mm-hmm. That would have been my guess. Um, but they've already established that Alabama is a top program in the country. Do, do they have any other significant wins this year other than Florida, who turned out to be Florida? Georgia? Um, no, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. <laughs> like, what, what does their schedule look like? Let's do some. To be quite honest, I don't know. I'm Googling. I know Kentucky also beat Florida. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Okay. They've had a, they've had a few ranked wins, but ranked at the time of winning. The I U. Mean, Miami is a bust. Miami practically hasn't won a game this season. Derek King is incredibly hurt, yes. as he is every year. An FCS win. Okay, whatever. A close win against Florida. They were 11 at the time, not seven. My bad, but still. Um, a mid-tier SEC team being ranked at 11. They squeak by by two points. They beat University of Southern something, USM, another um, FCS. FCS. Yeah. They thwallop Old Miss. An overrated Ole Miss, though. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. What was Ole Miss doing at 12? What was Ole Miss doing at 12? That's what I'm saying. SEC bias. Yeah. Anyway. And then they lost to Tamu. And the only ranked team left on their schedule is Arkansas, who very likely could pick up another loss between now and November. Especially considering Arkansas just lost to um, someone significant. Yeah. Um, I forget. They've they've lost like three, two or three straight, I think. Yeah. After being like a top seven program. Yeah. At one time, it looked good the first few weeks, and then since then has been a completely different story. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. They they beat Texas A and M when Texas A and M was ranked seven, which kind of bottomed out Texas A and M. And now you're thinking, oh, Arkansas must be a good team to beat the number seven team in the country by ten points. <laughs> then they turn around and lose to Georgia by thirty seven, and not just by thirty seven. They lost thirty seven to zero. Um, they, I thought Arkansas would cover in that game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they they got absolutely ran out of the stadium by Georgia. And again, Georgia's a better team. But um, okay, they're coming off that loss. They are still four and one. Um, I guess viable in the SEC West, but. Um, they then turn around and lose to Ole Miss, which is how Ole Miss is now ranked so high mm-hmm. because Ole Miss beat up on an Arkansas team that just got destroyed by Georgia and Kirby Smart. So, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm just going to say it out of they're playing Auburn right now. Um, and as we record, yes. Yeah. And they, they could lose to Auburn. They could lose to Mississippi state in early November and they could lose to LSU the week after that before they play Alabama. They could. So Alabama's not going to have a real signature win on its on its uh, resume until the big the SEC championship. That's right. Um, okay, so back to the original question. What happens if Kentucky beats Georgia? I guess we established that Georgia will probably fall to four. Um, six. Maybe six, but... Alabama only dropped to five after losing to an unranked team. So um, Alabama dropped to five. I think Georgia would drop less than that, maybe to four. Right, but at least they should. If they they don't, then it's wrong. (laughs) Right. Sure. I agree. Assuming no one loses and between one and six, I think you have to drop them to six and move everybody else up one. Were you going to put them ahead of Alabama? No. You're going to put them ahead of Ohio State? who's cooking with gas right now maybe i i don't know but maybe but you wouldn't put them ahead of a an undefeated team right like a, a real undefeated team not like a an oklahoma state undefeated team right so um i, I don't know i think they dropped to six that's that's what where my assuming, money is assuming assuming the rest of the table rest of the teams from the table 
Um, then the playoff picture actually becomes a little clearer. If Georgia picks up a loss before the SEC championship, then they're then out of the, the winners in, the losers out. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because the SEC championship, barring anything crazy, which will really, really mess up the playoff picture, will be Georgia and Alabama. I feel confident in saying that, but it'll be a battle of one loss teams. And so it is winning you're in. Yep. Losing you're out. Yeah. Because the committee will not accept a two loss team in the playoffs. There's I don't no think way. so. Not at least they shouldn't. No. Not in a four team structure, at least. Um, so I let's, guess yeah. let's let's shift to Cincinnati. Are they going to be the first non power five team in the in the playoff? You know, has there really never been a non power five team? Yep. UCF came closest. UCF came close and Notre Dame was technically not because that year they joined the ACC to play. They were in a year before that too. Were they? Yeah. Are they officially in the ACC now? No, but they're considered a power five school. They're, they're power five. They're in, they do play like a power five schedule. Sure. So a, a, a team that is not playing a power five schedule making the playoff is the discussion right now. Yeah. Now, now, so here's the real question. Obviously, I think if Cincinnati picks up a loss, they're, they're out. out. They have, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're not, Cincinnati's not going to squeak in as a one loss non power five. I don't right. think the committee's established a precedent where that will ever be viable in a 14 playoff. They've demonstrated as much with UCF. Um, so if they lose to any of the ensuing teams on their schedule, which they have kind of a weak schedule, they we're the looking at it. Half. We're yeah. looking at it right now. We'll go through the names, UCF, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, USF, SMU, which is technically ranked right now at 23, but any rankings between 20 and and 25 in my psyche are an unranked team because they are a coin flip away from being unranked Mm -hmm. and then Eastern Carolina. So, and then the American league championship. So that'll be against Houston. Probably. Yeah, probably. So, so if they, if they lose, they're out. However, I think there's a scenario where they win out currently ranked number three, halfway through the season and still don't make it. And I think there's a couple ways that that happens. So let's assume Cincinnati wins out, right? Now, there's a scenario where we have a undefeated Georgia, undefeated, or or one loss Alabama in the SEC championship. If Alabama wins that, there's a scenario where Georgia, Alabama, the winner of the Big Ten, and the winner of the Big 12 make it in, and Cincinnati gets bumped. Especially if the winner of the Big 12 is Oklahoma and they finish an undefeated season. Right, obviously. I think that can happen. Or I think there's also a scenario where you have uh, two Big Ten teams, in which case I mm. think they get bumped as well. They, Cincinnati, I think, has to root for some more chaos. If they really want to feel confident in making the playoff, I think they need another team in the top five to pick up a loss before championship weekend. And with the way college... In steps Kentucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. in steps Kentucky. <laughs> and, and with Why the way that... With the way that this season's been going, I wouldn't put it past Kentucky because there have been quite a few major upsets that we couldn't have seen coming. And, I mean, look at Ohio State's schedule going forward. It's not easy. Pretty pretty tough. Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Big Ten Championship. That's four highly ranked opponents in the last five weeks, Mm -hmm. six weeks, whatever that shakes out to be. they close their season really difficult. If Ohio State wins out and they win the Big Ten Championship, which I think is still a possibility, I, I, I think so too. I think Ohio State's in. However, if Ohio State loses to any of those teams, I think that's the weak link. And I True. think that's what gets Cincinnati gets Cincinnati into the playoff. Because if Ohio State loses any of those games, the Big Ten Championship will be Iowa versus a one-loss team. Right. Or maybe an undefeated Michigan team, which would make things easier. So are you saying it's either Ohio State or Cincinnati? In this scenario, if Ohio State goes undefeated and wins the Big Ten championship, I think Ohio State, 
and Iowa, if Iowa remains undefeated, are both in the playoff. But if Ohio State loses for the rest of the season at all, they will certainly be out. And that loses the Big Ten's possibility of two teams in the playoff. The only way the Big Ten gets two teams in the playoff is if it's Ohio State versus Iowa. Um, I would say Ohio State versus or Iowa versus Penn State, but Iowa just beat Penn State in a head to head. So that really breaks down that head to head matchup. Right. Um, and it wasn't particularly close, especially because Penn State's quarterback is now hurt. So, well, l- listen to this scenario. I don't see this happening in a committee world, but there's there's a world, there's a universe where this is a, a viable option for the playoff. Let's say. Uh, okay. Undefeated Georgia, one loss Alabama in the SEC championship. Undefeated Iowa, one loss Ohio State, who's now beaten this plethora of top yes. teams. Iowa loses in a close one. Alabama wins in a close one. I think there's a I think there's a world where <laughs> it's possible. You have two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. Wow. Right? <laughs> I yeah. mean, th- for a couple things have to happen for that. To- to really be an option. Oklahoma has got to lose. Yeah. And Cincinnati's got to look bad, lose, or do something catastrophic to derail themselves. Yep. They have to be the one to make the mistake, but, but maybe not because can you, can you really put in Cincinnati over an Iowa who's undefeated, except for a, at this point, cosmonaut Ohio state and Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. A cosmonaut Ohio state where by the time of the big 10 championship, We'll probably if, be ranked in the top four. Yep. Because they just rattled off a bunch of top 10 wins. Mm-hmm. So that's the discussion. This would be a much more viable option if Oklahoma just went and lost to Texas in the Red, Ri- Red River rivalry. But <laughs> Texas is not back. Texas instead, instead, Spencer Rattler had to get benched and the backup just had to come in and be a Heisman candidate. <laughs> that's poetic because I really don't like Spencer Rattler. I, there was a I agree. Sound- there was a soundbite on this show from probably three months ago when I was like, when we were doing um, NFL draft preview and I was like, well, the draft starts at pick number two because the first team in the draft will take Spencer Rattler. And you were like, I don't think that will happen. I don't like him and he hasn't looked amazing. And I was like, no, nah, he'll be fine. And he is <laughs> going to be benched according to the student newspaper of Oklahoma. Oh, is that for sure? Well, no, but Caleb Williams was taking first team reps during practice. Okay, that was, I didn't even that hear was, that. Yeah, yeah, so that was the whole story. Sense. Lincoln Riley, the student newspaper was like sitting on a hill with binoculars, observing their practice and saw Caleb Williams. They wrote a story in Oklahoma's student newspaper. Remind, like, mind you, not a, not a Norman Oklahoma Inquirer or whatever. The student newspaper of Oklahoma. They said <laughs> this man is getting first team reps. And the fact that that small publication caused Lincoln Riley to shut down media availability for the next week. This story broke on like Tuesday. I didn't even hear that. Wow. Yeah. I think that would suggest that Caleb Williams is the starter. And anyways, this is a whole soapbox on how I was very wrong about Spencer Rattler. He's looked bad. And I was pretty right. You were pretty right. So, and there's a lot of people eating their words right now about CJ Stroud, who, who, to be fair, had a slow start he did but now is a heisman contender after he rested his shoulder yeah where we have michigan state versus indiana on in the background and uh, on mute but they showed a graphic of heisman favorites and the dude from Ole miss is number one i guess he's, uh, he's been very good i'm sure I will, I will give him that congratulations to that young man i have not watched a single Ole miss game and i will not but CJ Stroud was tied for second at plus 700, which is shocking to me, especially because would you take that prop right now? Mm-hmm. No, hmm. but I would take it now. You wouldn't take Stroud plus 700. Well, maybe, I don't know. Actually, hmm. <laughs> now that, now that, now that you've uh, put the, uh, the gun to my head, um, you look at the rest of CJ's season. Again, we've established that Ohio State finishes hard. Like they are, they do not have an easy end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Big Ten Championship. Yep. 
and against an Iowa team or an Iowa team an Indiana team and a Nebraska team that aren't bad that have historically given Ohio state the business um, also Purdue's in there, but if CJ Stroud, hey, don't forget about Purdue. What was that? That like 40, 40 something to 21 loss a few years ago. Rondale Moore going crazy. Yep. 42 to 21. Yes. I recall. Um, I remember that game. Dwayne Haskins had like 500 pass yards, but only like 130 of those were through the air. Um, yeah. Greens. Yeah. Yeah. His air yardage was like abysmal. Yeah. Um, that's the stat you should look at for quarterback efficiency and draft prospect, in my opinion. But, you know, anyways, that's a tangent for another time. If Ohio State wins out with their schedule, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, I think you've got to consider C.J. Stroud for Heisman contention. Yes, he lost to Oregon, but that Oregon team was ranked 12th. Um, again, a good team. He was hurt. Sure. Um, but the committee has not the Heisman committee or the, yeah, the Heisman committee has never, is it a committee? Yeah. It's, okay. it's a voter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Academy or whatever. The Heisman Academy has never considered <laughs> overall losses in a career towards your Heisman vote. Um, Heisman winners have lost games during the regular season. That has happened before many times. So I don't think the loss to Oregon will be a blemish, especially because, CJ Stroud in this scenario will have beaten four top 10 teams in seven weeks. So I think that's worth consideration. And to answer your question about taking Stroud plus 700, maybe I do. I think I do. I think so too. Those, those, I think the value is a big payout and it's a value play. Entirely unlikely. It's a value play. Yeah. I've talked myself into it. There you (laughs) go. So. I will say though, if, what is it, Corral from Ole Miss? If he keeps playing the way he is, though, it's I'm not sure he's be close. I'm sure he's wonderful. Again, I have not watched an Ole Miss game, and I will not. I um, think he. I think I saw a stat that he was one of like two quarterbacks yet to throw a pick, and he's got like almost thirty touchdowns. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I could be completely wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure. That's what so I, saw. I think I think I saw a statistic that. Uh, so Stroud, uh, oh, go ahead and bring that up. Oh, sorry. We've got, I've got ESPN college football up on my computer as we talk to make sure I'm hitting on all the points and Auburn is given Arkansas, um, some struggles. Two score lead. Yeah. Auburn has a two score lead on the Razorbacks. So that'll, it's almost like, uh, Arkansas's not good. <laughs> I think we can pull the plug on Arkansas. Yeah. That's also, I think that also suggests that Texas A&M is not, not good. good. See, just, I mean, they're beating Mizzou, but like. <laughs> I don't think this is a Mizzou. hot yeah. take, but uh, that's, that's why we got to get rid of preseason rankings. I agree. Why because play the game right yeah. now? Arkansas is in the top 25 based off of a win against Texas A&M. Who stinks? <laughs> That's their only win. Their only They've c- lost two straight games. What are they doing in the top 25? Because AM was ranked preseason. Yeah, their credibility does come from AM's preseason ranking. That's the only reason that Arkansas is ranked because Bananas. they were previously very much unranked. They beat the number seven team and they turned out to be doo doo. AM, that is. So, and um, Arkansas. And Arkansas, both of them. Um, but can you imagine if there was no preseason rankings and it was just all based off the week one performance when most power five schools play FCS schools and cupcake games, <laughs> well, yeah, then you would... see, then you see teams that are, end up being ranked very high that shouldn't be. And it creates the same sort of problem. That's true. I that's think that's why I think you wait until the beginning of conference play first week of conference play. Let's yeah. watch. That yeah. so that's like what week four you put them out Monday of week five yeah and... we really hold our breath for the first month of the season and then drop numbers yeah that's something um, I think that's that's beneficial to uh, big uh, big name teams so and it hurts little guys right because Wake Forest isn't exactly a legacy program no but they're getting some attention this year because they're in the top 25, right? Yes. So at this point, 
after squeaking by Syracuse, right? You know the but, football power of Syracuse. But my point is that would that would probably help big name schools, hurt little name schools. But we get a more accurate ranking, a better playoff picture, and a more competitive season. Because uh, we talk a lot in college football about how every game matters, right? Yeah. How can every game matter if you get a ranking that can affect your postseason seeding before you've even played a game? I I put that to you, dear reader. <laughs> like seriously, think you make, about that. You make great points. That is a very good point. So, I think that's a solution. Um, or you just wait for let's let's retire the AP poll because, like I said. It is my belief that about half of them don't watch the games anyway. And let's just wait for the committee. Yeah. Or let's find the AP poll. I don't think anybody has the power to shut down the AP poll. Fine. But let's not uh, put the number in front of the team on every single TV spot and uh, game. Publicize it. Yeah. yeah, Let's base it on uh, what we're seeing on the field and not a number come up with by a bunch of 40 year old men you know what i mean yeah you make points um that's crazy that being said i still believe the playoff structure needs to change yeah all of this could be solved if there's an 18 playoff at least 18 march madness 64 teams Ah. (laughs) no but i mean imagine the chaos with a 16 team playoff it'd be fun it'd be awesome It'd be fun, sure, but like I think there has to also be some incentive for um, getting a top four bid, um, because, and I I understand in a sixteen team playoff you'd have more teams, but you're staring down the barrel of like who gets the buys, who doesn't. Do only twelve teams, or do only like do half teams get buys? Do a third of the teams get buys? Like before the teams get buys and there are six matchups then going forward, then that's an odd number. So um, I think 12 teams is a good number. The top two get buys. And then you have actually, no, that wouldn't shake out either. I don't know because the playoff structure as it is right now, does not reward um, the number one seed other than being in the playoff. And that is valid. And that is true. And I get that. In an eight-team playoff, I think you can afford the possibility of buys, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I think eight-team is the structure that I would vote on um, because once you start getting into the anywhere between nine and 16, we, the three of us, have had the consensus that like these teams are more than likely only getting their ranking because they made a singular upset. Um, or because they had a, a win versus an AP pre-team. So I think an 18 playoff... Or at this playoff, point, if you're 6-0. and Yeah. And so I think an 18 playoff with the five Power 5 conferences, champions, automatic bids, makes sense. That gives you three at-large bids for teams that lose close in the championship, Cincinnati's, Notre Dame, I guess. Like, t- teams like that, that... Um, the only blemish on their record is that they weren't a power five team or that they lost close in a championship. So I think an eight team playoff would be fun. I think it's not wild to say that the eight team in the country could win that playoff bracket. I think it would be pretty crazy to say the 16th ranked team could win that playoff bracket, but um, I think eight's a good size. I, I, I understand the point that, the 16 or the 12 is probably not going to win at all, but we see top 25 upsets all the time, about one a week. Right. Yeah. So I mean, think yeah. about the upsets in March madness. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, basketball is a different, different game than football. Yeah. But also yeah, the but college athletes, like there's, you're, st- you're still getting money to go to school to play a sport. You're obviously better than most. <laughs> so, but uh, let's, let's say uh, number one, Alabama, Number 12, Cincinnati, right? Maybe Cincinnati doesn't Oklahoma win at all. State, whatever it might be. Yeah. Right. But uh, wouldn't it be just a lot of fun to watch Alabama get upset by Cincinnati? I think that that in and of itself, giving the little guy a chance to pull off a marquee upset, 
uh, makes worth the expanding the playoff. That's true. I, I completely agree. Yeah. And the thing that I really dislike about the playoff structure right now is for the top six programs in the country, recruits, it, it demands recruiting so, so strongly because if I am a wide receiver in the middle of nowhere and I want to go to school and make money off of my name, image, and likeness, um, why would I want to go to Ole Miss or Kentucky or Michigan State or even, you know, a team like Oregon when they don't get the national press and the postseason accolades that Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and until this year, Clemson got? Because I do think Clemson will probably be back in the conversation next year because of their recruiting I think, class. I think Clemson's going to take a while to get back, if I'm being totally honest with Ooh. you. Elaborate on that, Kuipers, because I love that idea, but I, I want to hear your uh, evidence for it. Okay, so I think, in my opinion, obviously this is not the case for everyone. Not everyone thinks this. <clears throat> I think they've gotten all their recruiting classes based on the success that they had because of Trevor Lawrence. Now that Trevor Lawrence is out of the equation. There's a question. Quarterback, they, yeah. they need a quarterback. Uh, I mean, there's, there's no denying it. DJ is, a, he's a good quarterback. He's no Trevor Lawrence and team like recruits wanted to commit there when Trevor Lawrence was there because, you know, a You're quote, unquote, gen, generational talent is always going to keep you up near the top. But now that he's gone, I think the recruiting classes might fall back a little. Um, well, let's think. And, like, yeah, Clemson and, has struck lightning in a bottle twice now by getting extremely lucky with their college recruits uh, at quarterback because they had Deshaun Watson, who was widely considered a generational talent, won a college football playoff. Um, he goes to the NFL, and then he's succeeded by – um trevor lawrence true freshman right yeah mm-hmm. yeah a true freshman at the time trevor lawrence and so they've hit home runs in back-to-back quarterback appearances and that's extremely hard to do no matter the program because um look at alabama's history of quarterbacks in the past five years like i mean is, was mac jones considered a generational talent or was he just surrounded by the five stars that Nick Saban can recruit because and of four, four first round wide receivers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not Mac <laughs> that was making the program. It was Nick Saban and his skill people. I mean, would you consider Tua to be a generational talent? Jalen hurts. I mean, they're both talented. Sure. They're both talented enough to win the starting position at Alabama, but getting these generational talents like an Andrew Luck or a Trevor Lawrence, or, you know, in my opinion, Justin Fields, Fields but uh, that's clearly not the opinion of everyone that drafted. To be off. fair, Ohio State didn't get Justin Fields at first. That's true. Can you imagine yeah. Georgia just yeah. fumbling that bag? <laughs> Deciding to go with Jake Fromm. Yeah. For another year. <laughs> We're going to run it back with a worse version of Case Keenum. So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. Well, t- that's, you're right. that's another consequence of – this uh, consolidation at the top of the best recruiting talent, you've got five stars at Ohio State and Alabama riding the bench yeah. because there yeah. are five stars in front of them with more experience. Well, yeah, look at Jamison Williams for Ohio That's State. That's exactly my point. Yeah, Jamison. <laughs> that was crazy. Great wide receiver. He will be a first-round talent, first-round draft pick in two years. I can almost guarantee because it. Because he transferred to Alabama, and he is their number two. Um, and at, and at Ohio State, he was what fifth, four, five, five on behind the depth chart? Depth, excuse me, depth to, chart. To be fair, he's behind at Ohio State. He was behind two or three first round wide receivers. I agree, and the fact that Chris Olave came back for his senior season really muddied things up. But he yeah. was behind Olave. He was behind um, Wilson, Garrett Wilson. He was behind, I would say, Smith Najigba as well. Even though I don't know where he's been this year, really. Uh huh. Um, uh, he's been in Friday's KJ Hill. I'm, I'm very excited for Amika Egbuka next year. Yeah. And let's talk about true freshman Trayvon Henderson. Incredible. Incredible. I don't think Ohio state would be I'm, obviously, but, um, Ohio state would not be in the conversation without Henderson because 
their offense He's just so good. runs through him. Justin Fields was the exception to the rule. Historically, Ohio State has been a run-the-ball college football program, at least over the last Zeke, like, Dobbins. Zeke, Dobbins. Look at the Dobbins. names that have come through. Carlos yeah. Hyde. Carlos Hyde. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been a lead-running-back-driven program that can carry a quarterback because, again, I think Justin Fields will be successful in the NFL because he is the anomaly, again. But Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL have historically struggled because their offense is not set up to run a pro style. Their offense is run based on play action, and that only works because of a running back uh, and a running game. So Henderson taking over as a true freshman as a top two running back in the country, um, aside from the guy from Texas, B. John Robinson, like, I mean, and that's a toss up, you know, it depends on how you're feeling, how your legs are feeling on Saturday, which running back's going to be better on paper. So Ohio State would not be at six without their running game. But that just goes to show that, like, this true freshman is demanding snaps because it would be a crime to not put him on the field. Meanwhile, Ohio State has two more top caliber running backs that sitting right behind them. Yeah. And so, and when you're, when you aren't getting paid to sit behind the guy, you start thinking about where can I go so that I can get paid in the future? Yeah. Or right now with NIL deals, because Jameson Williams is making much more money on NIL at Alabama than he would be at Ohio state. And I don't think that's crazy to assume because if I'm a brand, I am not going to pay the fourth wide receiver on Ohio state's death chart, the bag to say, come to Chipotle, eat my burrito. But Okay, <laughs> but I will do that for a starting wide receiver. So that's, I mean, that's got a factor in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you got a point. <laughs> Anyways, my point is recruiting really does get funneled into the top programs. And if you expand the playoff, um, I think it'll have a more equitable distribution of talent coming out of high school. Yeah, more equal distribution of burritos, too. <laughs> Not to mention just more fun football, you know? Exactly. Who exactly. doesn't love rooting for the underdog? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you, Kuypers. I agree. Oh, man. Those are my opinions on college football right now. A lot going on, a lot of moving pieces. And right now, let's, oh, yeah. let's look at some scores. Michigan State's losing to Indiana. Texas is handling Oklahoma state that lead won't last because it's Texas LSU is beating Florida. Auburn is beating Arkansas. Um, again, these are all, all second quarters, all, yeah. but anything could happen. Anything can happen. Um, yeah, those are the scores in college football right now. So do with that, what you will in Cincinnati is beating up on UCF, which needs to happen. If they want to get in. Mm-hmm. Living in Central Florida, I like that. <laughs> UCF yeah. fans need to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> hey, they, they I, I think they one. had some righteous anger um, for how they were treated for like two or three seasons in a row. Yeah. Getting uh, skipped from the playoff <laughs> when they almost certainly deserved it. But now they're not good. So you're right, Kuypers. Maybe they should take the chip off their shoulder. Yeah, now they are bad. Ever since McKenzie Milton's leg got turned into a triple joint, um, yeah, they've not been the same. Well, how doesn't, can, doesn't he go to FSU? Florida now? State, yeah, Florida State. That's a bad team. Um, That's a terrible team. <laughs> so, yeah, how how fall uh, teams? How quickly teams fall from grace? Could be Clemson. It could be. You're right. You're right because I. Florida State, my sophomore year of high school, I was in this biology class and there was this marquee matchup of Alabama number one versus number three, Florida State in week one of college football. And everyone was like, this is going to be the year that Alabama gets dethroned. But our bio teacher was like, Florida State is simply bad this year. Look at their recruits. The team that just was in the playoff last year is gone. It graduated over half of their team. 
there is one returning starter on the defense, something like that. Like they are not the same program. They're way too young. And then they got beat by 30 by Alabama and they've never been the same. So I can pinpoint the exact moment when Florida state fell from grace. And it was that game. Or was it the Oregon game the year before? Maybe, but in the playoff, you're right. But as far as like their pedigree in the national got demolished. Yeah. yeah, In the national Mm -hmm. psyche. That's the game that happened. And maybe the Clemson lost to, it was it this year. Did they lose two twice? They've lost twice. Just let me be clear. Mm, was it, they lose a lot now. Boston College? No, or? it was not. Oh, because they narrowly avoided that one. Yes. Right. Well, maybe Clemson the new is Clemson the new FSU. NC State. They lost the season yeah. into Georgia in like a garbage fire of a game. Yeah. yeah. Ten to three. Uh, and then they lost to NC State and then have looked thoroughly uninspired in the rest of their play, mm-hmm. they've beaten Georgia tech by uh, 14 to eight Boston college, 19 to 13 and Syracuse 17 to 14. So let's look at the rest of their schedule Pitt, I wouldn't put it past them to lose that game, mm-hmm. Florida state, Louisville. For some reason they have Connecticut scheduled the worst team <laughs> football, UConn, um, wait, wait for it. Right. You know, Kansas still exists, right? I looked it up, and Connecticut is the worst team in college football. I looked it up like a week ago because I was curious. Ranked 126th and then oh, at South Carolina. So they could be a three-loss Clemson team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's too far-fetched to believe. Mm-hmm. So anyways – I'm all college footballed out. I think I've parsed everything. Yeah, I, want I, to say. I emptied the bucket. Me too. Yeah. All right. I mean, we could talk a little NFL. Uh, I'll spend two seconds on the Browns. Um, they play the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury and Chandler Jones both have COVID. Nick Chubb's out. Arizona has the 31st ranked rush defense in the league, and the Browns like to run the ball. I think the Browns will win. That's my one spread pick this week for the Twitter. Um, I think the Browns win and cover. Yeah, I got, I got to agree with that. But I think I think this game's going to look like a preseason game, if I'm being completely honest with the injuries and, yeah. and COVID on each side. I think it's going to look more like a preseason game than a matchup of two contenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Anyways, Kipes, do you have any fadeaway takes before we let our listeners go off into the ether? Fadeaway takes? Uh, I read an article today. Uh, from Bleacher Report, and it was just about MLB top prospects, you know, the top 100. Sure. Uh, I think Tribe is sitting, or Guardians, I, sh- I should say, sitting pretty with uh, five or six in the top 100. Oh, good for Not them. higher than 50-something, but quantity over quality, am I right? In baseball, yes. <laughs> to be fair, they are also quality. Right. They're they top 100. Top yeah, so. Um, and I did see a report a couple days ago that the Indians have been stockpiling all these prospects to potentially go out and get a big outfield bat this summer or this winter. So I would be interested in that. Get a big what? Outfield outfield bat because their outfield offensive production has been bad. They tried to solve that with Eddie Rosario and then they traded him at the deadline. Not saying he became good. Yeah. And then he became good. I'm not saying I disagree with that move. Um, I get it. I think they signed him with the whole intention to trade him. Um, I yeah, it was it was one of those deals that it's the way the world works. If you can get that's, yeah. that's why they re-signed Cesar Hernandez to a one-year deal. Like you don't sign veterans to one years unless the intention is to move off of them soon, i.e. at the trade deadline. So the writing was yeah, all- especially for a team that's not really gonna go super well, win situation because. You're not paying these guys a lot of money. I mean, you're paying them more than their market value, but it's not a backbreaker, especially if that yeah. money goes towards uh, prospects. Either it's one of two scenarios, and they're good for you either way. Either you happen to be better than you think, like the Giants were this year, and you keep these veterans on your team, and then you go and be active at the trade deadline because it happened to work out, or you're bad like you predicted, 
and you can get a lot of capital for these guys from teams that need an outfield bat. So you're in a win-win situation by signing these veterans. Um, I mean, it's just like the Tigers with Jonathan Scope, even though they never traded him, which surprises me. But Well, that was the tension. Um, So my thoughts on baseball. I don't have any takes that I can think of right away. I think mine would have been the Lincoln Riley getting mad at a student. Um, I think that's fun. <laughs> um, not really crazy, but but yeah. What about you? Do you have anything to send us off with, special guest Nathaniel? Ooh, good question. Um, I I mean I I gave y'all my hot <laughs> takes. Emptied the emptied the uh huh. Trying to think if I have any last parting shot across the bow. Um. Other than I was just thinking, it's more on my the point I've already made, but Arkansas is probably going to get an average to decent bowl this year. Yeah, They'll, they might get a New Year's Six. No, 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 stop it. But they're going to get they're going to get an above average bowl because they beat an overranked AM early in the season. Based off a preseason ranking, so it's they just another in, another uh, data point for my argument. But they might be in the Alamo Bowl. Hey, that's my favorite bowl. <laughs> Remember it. Um, anyways, that is all we have for you guys this week. Thank you guys for sitting in and listening to us uh, jaw about college football. As always, I am Isaac, and I'm Will, and uh, I'm Nathaniel. And special, <laughs> guest. special guest. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for being on the show today. And we will catch you next week. Later. See you.